In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here in Germany, and I'm also here with a guest who's driving somewhere in the middle of Ohio. I'm here with Jay Crawford. Jay, where are you? I'm uh, just near Cleveland, in Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Mate, that's a lovely part of the world. I actually drove through it, I think, uh, when I was on my way from Akron back to Cleveland. Would that make sense? Yes, it would. Exactly. Mate, it, it feels like mountains or the Rockies or it, it feels quite unique when you're in that area. Yeah, the topography is somewhat unique considered uh, that it's in Ohio. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I, I would like to spend some time there, maybe two or three days, give it justice. It looks uh, super relaxed, nice. But anyway, we're not a uh, wildlife podcast, we're a Browns podcast. So, uh, Jay, it's the first time you've been on the show. Tell us a little bit about why you're a Browns fan. Well, I grew up in Ohio. I'm from Sandusky. And just, you know, it's one of those things that when your father is a Browns fan, it's passed down from generation to generation. His father was a Browns fan. So uh, now I'm a Browns fan. My son is a Browns fan. And, uh, you know, it's just been a part of my life, my entire life. Um, During the fall and early winter uh, on Sundays, the Cleveland Browns have been a big part of my life throughout it. Excellent. And uh, currently working with WKYC-TV. How did that all come about? Well, I was previously at ESPN for 16 years and wanted to come back home. I haven't lived in Northeast Ohio since I left for college when I was 18 years old. So for me, the opportunity to be back home and, you know, covering the team that I love and being able to watch the Cavs, Browns, and Indians up close and personal and not have to jump on an airplane and go cover them has been um, everything I'd hoped it would be. Excellent. And uh, here's your first tough question. How would you rate the the three Cleveland teams of your priority? Which would be your number one? Well, I'm a huge uh, baseball fan. Grew up playing, still play. Um, Baseball is certainly my first love. So I would say that if any of the three teams could win a championship, uh, it, it, the, the Indians would probably mean the most to me. Then the Browns are 1A, very, very close second. And because they've never made it to the Super Bowl, I've been lucky enough in my lifetime to see the Indians play in two World Series, unfortunately. Um, actually, three World Series. Unfortunately, they lost all three. I was at all three, covering all three. Um, but I, I can't even imagine what it would be like if the Browns were even to just make it to the Super Bowl. Um, so if the Browns won the Super Bowl, it would be um, eclipsed only by the Indians winning the World Series. And then the Cavs, uh, I have a lot of love for the Cavs, but of the three, uh, they, would have, they, would, they would definitely be my third favorite team. Here's a question for you, and, and I don't want a nice answer because I'm here in Europe. It's, what's your views on baseball coming to London being played, for example, and... We've seen uh, 
NFL being played in Mexico, you know, as a uh, local kid, what, how do you feel about that? Well, I understand the importance of trying to take sports global. The NBA has had great success with that, primarily in China, but really it's global for the NBA. Um, the game is wildly popular worldwide, and I think the NFL and Major League Baseball have kind of tried to take their lead and see if they can't plant seeds of their sports in other parts of the world. I don't know um, how the roots are taking. It seems like when the NFL plays their regular games in, in England that the crowds through the years have gotten better and bigger and seemingly more into the game, which is good for the NFL. I know they would love to expand to England and, and have a team in London perhaps one day. Um, as for Major League Baseball, it's already a big sport worldwide. Um, it's, for whatever reason, not huge in Europe and in England, but I'm curious to see how the game takes foot there if you know the United States and Major League Baseball continues to try to expose the sport to to folks in England I don't know how it was perceived there or received I don't know but um it'd be kind of cool if it caught on that'd be nice as as a um neutral or a non-fan I just got told it was very expensive to buy a ticket so maybe three three fifty US dollars for a ticket so um yeah I passed wow. I personally didn't invest in it because it sold out so quickly. So um, it was... Well, uh, that must speak to the popularity of it. If the prices are high, that means demand is high as well. So, yeah. you know, that perhaps is a good thing. Yeah, and the NFL sells out in an hour, four games. Yeah, 90, normally a 90K, 90,000 stadium in Wembley or... Uh, 60 plus in Tottenham. So NFL are doing something right over here because they are selling out. Now the secondary ticket market is dropping down to 15, 10 bucks before a game, but it's, oh, wow. selling, it's selling out and you've got, right. a, a, you've got a true mix of 32 teams being represented, which is quite bizarre, quite unique as well, which is, quite nice but it's been announced the St. Louis Cardinals versus the Chicago Cubs in London next year is, is that a big game educate me I don't really know well on a regional basis it's a huge game they're they're big rivals so it would be the National League's version probably of the Yankees and the Red Sox which came there this past yeah. summer so it's just the National League's version of of that big regional rivalry um and like the Red Sox and the Yankees, the Yankees have, of course, had more long-term success, but the Red Sox have had more recent success, and it's similar to the Cardinals and the Cubs. The Cardinals have had more long-term success, but the Cubs are the most recent to win a World Series of those two teams as the Cubs beat the Indians in 2016. So it's, 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 the, it's the National League's version of the Red Sox-Yankees, probably with slightly less international appeal here's everybody knows who the yankees and red sox are yeah exactly here's a question for you what would you pay to watch that game in the uh, indian stadium like in bucks um so we're talking about the cardinals and the cubs yeah so they're on a tour well and it was it's a seasonal game just like it is 
what would you pay to watch you know, that in Cleveland? Probably standard, you know, standard. I'd probably pay $50 to go see that game. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, look, we're not we're not a uh, baseball podcast or a Browns podcast, so uh, let's let's talk about some Browns news. It's been very quiet today. But what's your views on uh, Schobert? Do you think uh, a contract's coming soon, or you think they're just going to hold out to the end of the season? I don't know. I don't know that he fits exactly in the mold of what the Browns want out of their linebackers. I think they want their linebackers. Schobert's a great player. And if he doesn't sign in Cleveland, there will be a long list of teams that are lining up for him. But because the Browns are playing a 4-2-5, I think they want their linebackers to be a little more physical, perhaps a little bigger. Um, But personally, my view is I think Schobert is a fine player. He does have some things that he can't do well, and that might lead Cleveland to kind of go in a different direction. But for my money, I would gladly bring him back. I think um, he's kind of the heart and soul of that defense. He, he leads the league or the team in tackles every year. And one one year, I believe, he led the league in tackles. So, I mean, he's a fine player. Um, we'll see what kind of uh, what kind of contract offer the Browns make for him. But um, for my money, I think he's a very serviceable linebacker. It's just a question of whether or not he's a good fit in the four-two-five. What money do you think we're talking? I'm going to put some numbers out there. What, uh, 20 million for four years? You think that's fair or well under? Or I, I'm not sure that he'll get that. I, I, I really don't know. Um, it all depends on the market for linebackers, and that varies year to year. You never know what's available in any given year, and you also never know which restricted free agents um, – you know, we'll stay with their teams. That also can kind of affect the market too. So um, it's just going to have to be one of those things. I think the Browns would be smart to let it play out through the off season. They'll have a better snapshot of what's available um, and they'll figure out where they want to go from there. Yeah, makes sense. Miles Garrett's obviously been in the news for the last six days now. He's been spotted at Cleveland Airport. He's been spotted on the streets of Cleveland. Everyone's saying, just a normal, nice guy. What's, what's your views on Miles Garrett? I think Miles Garrett is a great guy. He's, um, he's thoughtful. He's, um, he, when you talk to him, he seems to be just your everyday guy. He's, he's very... Um, He's a thinking man's man. Um, he's cultured. He, he's just as really, I mean, I know it doesn't necessarily line up with the images that we saw from the Steelers game, but he's, there's something changes for him when he's on the football field. And, it, you know, he's not the first person that I've noticed that change in. There, there, you can be a super nice guy off the field. And then once you step between the lines and the competition begins, they almost have to become somebody else. It's a savage game. And, um, you know, it, the miles that I know that I've seen and interacted with is courteous, polite. He is, um, again, a thoughtful guy. And what happened against the Steelers was something that, you know, something was triggered in him and he reacted. And he's not the first person to react in a regretful way when, he feels that his own safety is threatened. 
Do you think he's just put himself under too much pressure in the aspect of he's a smart guy, you know, he's clever. He's given himself some high targets of being the number one sacks this season. So when he's on that pitch, he's just in goal mode where he's just like, I must succeed. And it's just taken over from who he is. Well, he, he definitely has a, a very high competitive motor and he wants to excel. He wants to be the best. And he's publicly stated that he wants to be the defensive player of the year. Um, when you set lofty goals um, and you have high expectations of yourself, there is a measure of pressure that goes along with that. And whether or not that pressure had anything to do with the way he responded Thursday night, I don't know. Um, I don't know him well enough to know how he's motivated and what sort of sparks him. But I do know that he is just by his own expectations under a lot of pressure to perform. And, you know, whether or not that had anything to do with it or not, I don't know. Um, It happened. He regrets it. And hopefully things will go well in front of the commissioner tomorrow and we can get this thing to a finite number of games. Um, I, I personally think that six games and the playoffs is harsh. Um, we'll have to wait and see. You know, I, we just have to wait and see. Surely the NFL thinking, you know, I'm Miles Garrett, I'm team Miles Garrett, but the NFL are thinking, look, we can't have kids watching that and we're going to have to make a, a big... Um, a big stance on this and just say six games that's it you know you just can't do that yeah there's probably in all likelihood that will stand um i think the commissioner is a no-nonsense guy who above all else hates when his league is in the news cycle for the wrong reasons and you know, we have an impeachment hearing going on in the United States for the fourth time in our country's history. And that incident Thursday night bumped the impeachment proceedings from the top story in the morning shows the next day. And that kind of publicity is exactly what the commissioner wants to avoid at any and all costs. And I'm sure he's looking at this as a league-wide teaching moment do something that approaches this level of heinousness and we're going to react swiftly and harshly. And I think that's what he's done. And personally, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will be reduced, but I'm not uh, being realistic. It probably won't be. Jay, I was traveling through New York on the day after the Steelers Browns game and literally Every single bar, shop that I walked past, it was constantly repeating that video clip. So uh, I've never seen that in my, in my life where every single TV screen is simply throughout the day showing Miles Garrett's uh, incident. And then just to give you some insight is that it makes the, the news in the UK and I've got friends texting me in from the UK saying, God, the Cleveland Browns are a bunch of yobs. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Miles Garrett is a really nice guy. I think it's a one-off incident. But you got, you got to understand is that we are the world's team, as Nathan Zaguru will say. And that means that we also pick up the negative news all around the world of what Miles Garrett did. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why it, it was um, dominating the news cycle. 
both in the United States and in internationally. I was watching uh, BBC Friday, and it made their broadcast. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's understandable. It's, first of all, you know, the NFL is widely regarded now as the most popular sport in America, and there is international interest when there's an event of this magnitude. We don't always hear about soccer news, but – if there's a fan that storms the pitch and blindsides an official, we see that video on a loop here. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that there's this great demand for soccer news here, even though the interest here in the States has skyrocketed. There's still large population pockets that don't, that aren't interested in international soccer. And yet when you have a piece of video and the thing with this was, it was on Thursday night football, so there were more cameras at this game than normal. There were five different angles in slow motion, and you could see facial reactions, and it was very, very visual. And, um, you know, I understand how news outlets work. They're all about trying to keep eyeballs on their screens. And when they're showing these kinds of images over and over again, um, that tends to draw interest and keep interest. So it's unfortunate. Um, hopefully Miles Garrett is a good enough player that he can maybe suppress some of this from people's memories, but unfortunately he's always going to be that guy, um, no matter what he does in his career. And he's a hall of fame caliber player. Um, he's one of the, the most disruptive players in the NFL, but this is going to be really hard to overcome from an image standpoint because it's it was so visual and every but you can't go anywhere in the United States and not find someone that has a strong opinion on what he did what the punishment has been what the punishment will continue to be so it's it's um and that's what getting back to my original point that's what the commissioner does not like is being his league being in the headlines for the wrong reason yeah. Well, let's, let's end it there. Let's talk about the up-and-coming Sunday versus the Dolphins. Obviously, our defense is depleted. How do you see that game panning out? I'm a little concerned about it because of the fact that the defense is so depleted. Um, you know, we're without half of our uh, defensive front line. We're without half of our starting linebacker core Christian Kirksey's been out but you know so we have half of our linebacking core out half of our defensive front four and half of our uh, defensive backfield on the back end of our uh, defense so we we are dinged up and that's being very kind um, I, I Miami is a team that even though they have only two wins this year they've, they've been in a number of games that they've lost so any notion that the Browns are going to roll down to South Beach and have their way without being in a football game, I think is misguided. Um, you know, Fitzpatrick has proven that he can be very electric and can have dynamic games. He's also proven that he can throw four interceptions in a game. So I don't know which Fitzpatrick we're going to see. If we see the good one, we're in for a long day. Um, I am encouraged with what I've seen on offense, particularly the last couple of weeks. Baker has avoided the turnovers. The penalties have been reduced. Um, so it appears that things are starting to take shape. 
um, perhaps a little too late for the Browns to still make it to the playoffs, but I'm not willing to, uh, to give up on that dream just yet. If they win out and finish at 10 and six, I think that could get them in. Yeah. Uh, more Browns news today is uh, uh, Burnett is on IR. So um, he's out for the season and uh, yeah, that safety room and that D line really does worry me that how deflated and how patched up it is. But as we've seen, our cornerback room stood up when we needed it early in the season. So hopefully something will happen again similar this Sunday. Yeah, I misspoke. I said the game, I, I mentioned South Beach. The game is actually in Cleveland. So there, there is, you know, at least it's a home and a, and a friendly crowd, but it doesn't change the fact that the Browns are depleted defensively. I, would, I, you know, I, was, I was hoping that we would see more of this in the Pittsburgh game. We didn't. Um, I, I'm hoping that at some point, Freddie turns more to the run than the pass. Um, I think with Chubb and Hunt, we can have a one-two punch that was similar to what we had in the 80s and 90s with Mack and Biner. We've got two all-pro caliber running backs. Um, I'd like to see Cleveland try to move the ball on the ground a little bit more than they have. Um, it just seems like we're forcing the pass to the point where defenses kind of are sitting back and waiting for it. I would really like to see the Browns try to work to establish a run game on Sunday against Miami and, and try to get some kind of a rhythm going for these guys running the football, because that's what travels in December. Um, the run game is far more reliable than an aerial attack, particularly when you play in the AFC North, you're going to play games outside in cold weather in the month of December. And it's a lot easier to run the ball in all conditions than it is to throw it. So um, I'm kind of hoping that we see a little shift, to the run side in the run pass balance on Sunday. Yeah. Well, my last question for you, Jay, is what's your prediction on the score? I'm going to pick the Browns 24-20. Um, I, th I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I think it's going to be close. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I, I know Vegas has the spread at double digits, which kind of surprised me. Um, I, I, I be very pleasantly surprised if the Browns were able to win by more than 10 points, but you know, it's a game they must have and they know that. So, you know, at this point it's all about winning week to week and stacking those wins and trying to point towards the playoffs. It's bizarre that after Miami, they have the Steelers at Heinz field just 17 days after the incident um, with miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. So that's going to be, a very, very pressure-packed game. Emotions will be on on high. And, um, you know, that's that's going to feel like a playoff game for sure. Yeah, that's one game I'm absolutely buzzing to go. My first trip to uh, the Heinz Stadium. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it's a Browns win and uh, puts us gives us that little chance. I think we're at 20% at the moment chance to make the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, it's in our hands now. And uh, hopefully we get nine and seven, 10 and six, and we just keep winning. I think obviously the Ravens, Arizona, both could be very difficult games ahead of us. Yep. Those are not, those are some games that will be very difficult. Kyler Murray is playing terrific football now that he's a half season into his, his rookie year. And obviously Lamar Jackson is playing at an MVP caliber and uh, not quite sure how we were able to, 
uh, win by two touchdowns in Baltimore earlier this year. Um, I, I would love to see us be able to sweep the Ravens. It would go a long way to helping us um, try to get into a playoff spot. But that's going to be a tough one. To, and and really, even though the Bengals, you know, the Bengals haven't won a game, but those are never easy. Those interdivision games are always hotly contested. And obviously, the Pittsburgh game is going to be interesting to watch too. Mm. Excellent. Well, Jay, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for your time. And hopefully we get to meet one day over in Cleveland. I would love that. Thank you very much. Go Browns. Absolutely.